I'm Ankur. And I'm Phoebe. And this is Arts Work. We work at Sadler's Wells, a leading dance organisation. And this is a podcast where we look at different roles in the creative industries and how you could find your way in. So, Phoebe, tell me, who were you speaking to for this episode? I was speaking to Shay D, who is totally divine, effervescent, amazingly inspiring woman who you know already. She's a colleague of ours. She is a colleague. So Shay D describes herself as a rapper. First and foremost, she's an artist. She's also an education coordinator at Sadler's World's Breaking Convention, our hip-hop arm, where she project manages lots of youth work. She mentors young people. She's also a radio presenter on Represent, and she manages live events. So tons of cool things. And she is brilliant at managing all of those different things, isn't she? She is. Oh, it was such a pleasure to spend some time with her. She and I used to work in the same building over the road, and she would just come in every morning that she was there when she wasn't on tour or doing something else cool, just looking totally glam, like she'd just rolled straight out of a music video, which she probably had. Yeah. Well, that is not how I look in the morning. No, not how I look in the morning either, as you as you see on a regular basis. So why did you think it was important to talk about education in our first episode? Well, this is about the creative industries. And if you're thinking about, well, what's any person's first experience of a creative subject matter? You might have been taken to something as a child, perhaps, if you're lucky. But most people go through school and they have some kind of education and hopefully some sort of arts education. When you say the word education, that looks a certain way. That is someone probably standing in front of a whiteboard or like telling you how to hold your recorder or whatever it might be. Sometimes it can be really easy to go, oh, you're an artist, so you must be able to teach. They're different things, aren't they? Yeah, they're totally different. Like we all know what it's like to have a terrible teacher. And we also know what it's like to have an amazing teacher. You know, you can all think back to like being young or even now, you know, with people you work with who, if they are amazing at conveying something and you think, oh, I just want to be around this person, I'm learning from them. But they are different, you know, because we've also seen there are amazing artists that might not be fabulous at imparting that knowledge with other people. So I think Shay is a brilliant example of someone who does both. And actually also she finds the teaching side of what she does the most rewarding. It feels to me like Shay is also filling a need in communities where that provision isn't there. Totally. And I mean, you know, arts education in this country wildly varies depending on, you know, who you are, where you're raised, what your school is or isn't going to prioritize. And it also depends on what your parents are interested in or not. Whereas the kind of education work that Shay does really cuts through to the communities who who might not have had the brilliant school that has all of the funding or has all of the time. Shay knows how to walk into a room and really command the respect of young people and give them a brilliant time and show them that they can engage with creative subjects, you know, use that as a cathartic moment to express themselves and talk about what they're going through and just have a great time with their friends. It also feels brilliant to speak to an educator because up and down the country, arts organizations all have learning and engagement or learning and participation programs, depending on what they call them. So there are jobs, there are roles out there that you can go after. Exactly. So if you're scrolling around on arts jobs, you will see education coordinator, engagement officer. Shay is the kind of person who's doing those jobs. We're going to get into it. And first, Shay's going to tell you about where she grew up. I was like born and bred in North London and I'm still in North London. Um, I don't have anything against South London, but I have lived there a bit and I will never do it again. Um, We moved like 11 times before my dad basically put me and my mum in Hornsey and left us there (laughs) when I was like seven. And we've like basically been there ever since. 
my mom was a single mom. So my mom brought me up and then my grandparents came over from Iran. My mom was like into actual art, like painting art. But my granddad was like the more musical and poetic one. Like we would have dinner and he would just start reciting Rumi. Like, cause wow. we're Persian, we're Iranian. So yeah. he would just, he, I don't know why he like knew so many poems off by heart. I guess it's how we know like rap songs, but he would just like recite stuff. And I'd be like, what's that? Like, what are you talking about? And then my mom would have to like translate fully, like what, what the poem means. And I really, really got interested in rhyme and like poetry mm. from him. I think that was like my very first initiation into poetry. Um, and I got into spoken word poetry, but I very, very soon discovered hip hop and rap. We had a satellite dish that would get some Iranian channels for my grandparents to watch. And at night, there was like a German music channel and they would play American rap like at night. So I would be like, oh my God, who's this? And what's this? And Jay-Z and Foxy Brown and Salt and Pepper. And like, I started discovering everything from that. And I really like took to it straight away, especially like I grew up such a tomboy. I only really got more feminine like later in life. But I really identified with a lot of the girls in the 90s that would rap because they were all in like baggy tracksuit dungarees. They didn't care what they looked like. And they were like so feisty and just audacious. And I loved it. Yeah, I think that was how I really got initiated into like art. Mm. At what point did you think, or maybe I would perform or, you know, did the performing element, where did that come from? Um, I was the only child for my mom. I was the only child till I was about 12, 13. And then my dad had two kids with someone else and then a kid with someone else again after that. While I was the only child, I think I would have to keep myself busy a lot. So it's, this sounds really weird, but I would kind of like act things out but playing different characters myself because you've only got yourself really to like entertain yourself yeah. right I, I would just like write poems or raps and stuff and just perform them in my room and then sometimes my grandparents would be like what are you doing in there what are you saying in there so I'd be like oh I'm like making a show for you guys so then I would go into the living room after I've done stuff and I would perform to like my grandparents and my mom I would make literally make them sit down and watch me and I will never forget <laughs> one time I like wanted to perform I think it was a Destiny's Child song and then I'd written a rap to it as well and I basically <laughs> said to them that I didn't want to look at them so I was like I'm gonna turn my back because I was shy <laughs> I turned my back to them and not only that I had put headphones into the hi-fi so they couldn't even hear the music so all they could hear was me right so, were you facing a wall? I was facing or? the hi-fi, okay. so my back was to them. So they're all three sitting there. I swear to God, I like performed with all my might. And then when I turned around to bow, no one was there. Like they had all gone. <laughs> and I was like, what? I literally went into like the corridor and they were all standing behind the door, like laughing their heads off. And honestly, like I think after that, I could never be as ever embarrassed as that when I would ever perform. It could never be worse than that time that my own family parred me and <laughs> did not want to see me perform. Yeah, it wasn't something I wanted to do. It's only when I later in school, all the boys were like emceeing to grime and garage and I was joining in and it was from more from 
late teenage hood mm. that I started yeah. doing it more. And were there other you say that the boys were emceeing at yeah. school. Were there other were there other girls on the scene as well? Or did you feel like were you on your own with that? Yeah, no, in in my school, like a really big group of boys used to emcee it. I was literally the only girl that was rapping with them. And it was only like much, much later that when you would find another female rapper you'd be like oh my god you MC yes like and you'd be really happy yeah it was pretty lonely like at the beginning if you think back to to Shay rapping with or MCing with the boys in school you know at that time did you know that the kinds of work you're doing now existed or could you visualize other people five ten years older than you who were doing things you think oh yeah I'd like to I'd like to be like them or I'd like to have their job I only remembered recently that I went to a project myself I had actually forgotten that I did this with the one of the very first performances which wasn't my grandparents running away from me like a real performance um was somewhere called Logan Hall and it was a showcase now I understand that it was a young people's showcase that all the adults had put on which would have been our artist mentors and now because I run that I can totally see what was going on and one of my friends was like, oh, there's a workshop thing happening. I don't even think it was called a workshop then. I think she was just like, there's something going on kind of thing in West London and Acton. And we went like for quite a few Saturdays. We wrote lyrics, we recorded stuff. They made us a little CD and it was like raising money for a Muslim youth, like a child line, but for like Muslim young people at the time. And then we performed at Logan Hall. And I remember my mom, my stepdad, my cousins, like everyone came to see us perform. And the workshop tutor, the rap tutor, was a girl called Renee. Really recently, I was thinking back and I saw photos of that first performance and stuff. And I was like, oh my God, this was a project. And these were our artist mentors. And she was a rapper. She used to do battle rap. And she was mentoring us. So I don't know if subconsciously that actually went into like my mind and I ended up basically fulfilling that role that she did with us. So yeah, that's really interesting because at the time I didn't really know about that as a career. And it's only till recently that I look back and I understood what that job was. Yeah, but clearly whoever was doing that job was doing it well and it was starting, yeah. it was having an impact on, on these young people. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. With the education, what you do with Sadler's Wells, can you just describe that in a couple of sentences? For Sadler's Wells, I run youth projects for Breaking Convention, which is to mentor and develop young people who are interested in becoming performing artists or developing and exploring a career in the arts. Is that a job title, if you like, that you knew existed? Yeah, no, I did because I was doing loads of youth work and managing youth projects for about eight years before this job. So I initially started running rap workshops for an organization called The Complete Works. Um, they were based in Brick Lane. And we were running a three to four day hip hop theatre projects in Thurrock for the schools there. So we would go into schools, perform at an assembly, get the young people to sign up to do the workshops. And then we would run these three day workshops with them and put showcases on. And then I met a lot of other artist mentors on that. And then they would kind of like recommend us to do something for another organisation. And on the estate that I grew up on, 
there used to be a little van that would drive down into the estate and then the back doors of the van would open and then these DJ decks would be pulled out and then basically all the kids would come around the van and take the mic and perform and they were doing outreach and I kept seeing them and I kept wanting to go up to the van and, and talk to the people on it, but I, I didn't. Um, I was really shy, which is strange, um, but I was really shy um, and I kept seeing them. And then funnily enough, one of my friends said to me, oh, I saw a van uh, with some decks da, 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 in outside one of the shopping centers in London. I took their number for you, you should call them. And I realized it was the same people. And I was like, this is a sign, maybe I should bring these people so I called and um there's an MC called Lady MC she's a drum and bass MC her name's Kerry she run this kind of MC and DJ academy and she invited me down and I started volunteering with them and and working with them and stuff and then I eventually got a job as an artist mentor with them um and also a community center in my area there was a lot of like youth violence happening around there was a lot of like stabbings and fights and stuff like that and I just started going to different places and saying hi I do this and you know we work with young people and rap and a lot of like that kind of area a lot of the kids were into that music so it would engage them straight away um and yeah I just literally from word of mouth started running loads of projects in schools with the like Hackney youth offending teams Lambeth youth offending teams um I was working in referral units and then sometimes just general school and colleges and stuff And I did that for about eight years. And then I saw the breaking convention vacancy and just kind of came down to the interview. I had a flight to catch. I came with my suitcase. I was going on holiday with my best friend. (laughs) Um, And I literally came with my suitcase. And it sounds a bit mad. I didn't need the job because I was like really busy with all my other like youth work jobs that I was doing and with music. But I loved Breaking Convention. I'd I'd come down, I'd been to Park Jam. I loved what they stood for. I loved what they do. And I was like, oh, this would be nice to like bring my connections and networks here as well, as well as be part of Breaking Convention. It would be such an honor. That would be sick to do. So I literally came down and I feel like we had a conversation rather than an interview because I was like, oh, I do this. And oh, do you do this? I can introduce you to this person, actually, whether I get the job or not, we should do something anyway, blah, blah, blah. And I think Pete, uh, who worked here at the time, he was like, oh, you rap, like, so rap for us then. And I was like, in now. The, in the interview? Yeah, he was like, now. So Johnsy started beatboxing and I just rapped. So we were just rapping back and forth and we were like, okay, that was a great interview. Cool. Okay. I was like, this, what is going on? And then I was like, guys, I really need to go because I've got a flight. Sorry. I think it was like a few days later, I was on holiday and then I got a call and they were like, oh yeah, you got the job. And I was like, oh my God, get jumped in the pool and it's just been like that ever since it's really organic my manager Michelle like she's one of my best friends we're like a family and I really love working here and I've been able to bring all my connections with other partners and brands on board like our Royal Opera House I was working with them for like three years before I kind of took Breaking Convention onto the catalogue instead of myself the young people have develop so much they're really long-term like attendees and they go from this project to a a project my friend might run or they might refer kids to us I've loved it amazing 
Yeah, I, I think not many not many people would find themselves generally in a job interview being asked to rap on the spot. <laughs> but I, I think that's like such the spirit of breaking convention. They do like actually break conventions. Like yeah. it's what I really love about it is that I don't think ev- anyone has to be there. It's just everyone wants to be there and loves to be there, you know? And I think that makes a really big difference in what you're doing. And we're like really human about everything. Like if something doesn't make sense or you need to speak your mind about something, you just say it because it's like everyone's equal. Everyone's a human being. We're just here. It's not that deep. It's just music and theater. It's like, it's really not that deep. We're not like doing heart surgery. I always look at things like that. I'm like, it's, yeah, if it doesn't make sense, we don't need to do it. So Breaking Convention is the Sadler's Wells annual hip hop theatre festival, which is a, always on the bank holiday weekend in May. It's it's the one time of the year where the whole building is used and people are front of house, they're you know outside, they're everywhere. I'd love you to describe what Breaking Convention is and what it means. Yeah, I think that's a really good description of it um, in the sense of what it is as a festival. I think it's grown from being a festival in the bank holiday to now being a really big artist development program. Um, It's a youth project and youth development program. It's leading on to creating a unique uh, curriculum of being a hip hop theatre academy that's going to be opening at the East Bank site. It's a company because it's like it tours other companies, but also it's produced its own shows. So it's also like a production company as well. And it's also now branched out into film and digital. Um, And they've made really profound, like moving film, you know, like moving images. So I think that the festival is kind of like the foundation of what it is. But I think we've adapted to current times And I always like to work backwards from what the needs of our audience is and work backwards to then create for it. Whereas I know a lot of theatre or kind of companies create work and they present it to an audience and the right audience will come to it or not. But for me, the way I work, because it's in the youth project field, I ask my young people what do you want to do? What's your goals? What do you need? What do you need from us? What's your head start? And then I work backwards to design and build the project to deliver that for them so that it's useful, especially with networking and the music industry around like rap, grime, drill, hip hop, which is kind of like the genre of music, even that our theatre theatre pieces work around. They want help because it's a very hard scene and industry to navigate. And it's our job to deliver that for them. In terms of the Hip Hop Theatre Academy, so John Z. D., the artistic director of Breaking Convention, taught me the kind of each one teach one phrase and Mm -hmm. how important that is in the in the kind of lexicon of hip hop theatre. Can you tell us a little bit more about about the need for the Hip Hop Theatre Academy and what that could do? I think a lot of the time when we leave school and we need to go to college to do like A-levels or a B-tech or whether someone's going to do an apprentice. So the kind of usual options for a 16 to 18 year old, a lot of them at that age, they already kind of know that they want to go into performing arts. 
But what we found and a lot of the feedback we had from all the young people we spoke to and worked with in the focus groups and going into schools was that they were kind of not forced, but restricted um, to doing performing arts, which was around a lot of genres that they weren't interested in or they for sure knew they weren't going to go down, whether it was like ballet or musical, etc., there wasn't a specific course that covered hip-hop theatre. So we were like, okay, there's a gap in the market and it is free for 16 to 18-year-olds to come and do this. And so we're basically writing the curriculum from scratch, <laughs> which is a UAL course. So it is an advanced uh, like level three kind of diploma, but actually in the field that they want to study. And what I love about it from what I've been hearing from you guys so far is that certainly in the first year it will have you know all those elements that that feed into hip-hop theatre so music and lyrics and graphics movement and you know it's all there and that broad base and just like how on earth do you put on a show you know so yeah that broad base and actually if you think about the options for a young person or anyone who's gone through that that breadth of understanding you you could go into all kinds of things it exposes young people at a moment in their life when they can really sort of understand like I guess the breadth of options it's a much more kind of tangible step in a way to as to sort of bridge the gap between being a young person in school to where you are right now yeah some of the young people we work with they say to me and some of the artist mentors they're like oh like how do we get into what you're doing because like you get to do music, but then like you get to come here and like you work with us and we're in studio and we're in a rehearsal room or you're taking us to BBC to be interviewed. Like, how do we do what you do? So another thing we've started to do is also allow the kind of the elders, 19 to 21, to like peer mentor the younger ones as well. A project that I worked on uh, last half term at Tramshed It was really cute because you had like a 19 year old, um, like if someone was busy with something, they would like engineer for one of the 14 year olds and record them and like help them. And then you would have like the 14 year old was helping a 12 year old with his lyrics. And it was just the cutest thing to watch. But it's actually such a beautiful space because you're just seeing all of them help each other. And I feel like that's going to be the epitome of like the Hip Hop Theatre Academy. I feel like once it has its own actual hub and space and name and they're going to come there it's going to be like that I've heard that you have six mentees although having heard you speak for a bit longer I'm sure there are there are probably another 55 you could add to that list (laughs) yeah no there are so yeah it's not like actually like exactly six young people but there's at the moment I can just think of exactly six young people that constantly like are messaging or I'm sending them somewhere or I'm sending them opportunities and stuff like that it's Um, And also because I work at Breaking Convention part-time and I work on other projects with other people, what tends to happen is the young people like follow us around between projects. So there'll be young people at Tramshed that will come here. There'll be Breaking Convention young people going to Young Urban Arts Academy and then they'll be going to Soapbox and then Soapbox are coming to Breaking Convention. Like there'll be that mix. Um, So whenever there's an opportunity um, that we can you know, guide them to something that's relevant for them. Like I will do that. But yeah, I'll have messages like at random times going, hi, Shay, I just recorded this track. Can you listen to it now and give me some feedback now, please now? (laughs) Like, and I'm just like, I'm literally in the middle of dinner, but okay. Um, But there's like moments like that. And then there's also times where 
I'll see um, like the radio station might have an opportunity for some like shadowing. So I'll send that and we'll take like two of the um, girls that I know want to be presenters. We'll like go on a visit and make sure they're safe and take them there and then kind of hand them over and stuff like that. So it's kind of like ongoing. And so it's not like a set amount of kids. They're just always there. (laughs) Just there. Tell me about the things that you teach. It's so interesting because it feels like there's so much that happens like even in one project. So predominantly I teach as, okay, as a facilitator, I teach rap. So I run rap and spoken word poetry workshops. So it's like the foundations of rap would be, for example, counting bars, a rhyme, multi-syllable rhymes, how to construct verses and hooks, and then how to record, how to deliver, how to perform, like the all of the aspects of being an MC. As a youth project manager, like coordinating and managing the courses, I will be booking artists, designing the week, finding the space, doing the timetable, registering the young people, doing the risk assessment, safeguarding, doing the evaluations and being present at the project and making sure everything runs. But a lot of the time during the projects that I'm managing, they might be doing dance, they might be doing rap, they might be doing beatboxing. And because I rap, they'll ask me to come into the studio to help with that side, even though I might have an artist mentor that I've booked to do that. But you kind of just naturally end up helping. So my role is as a rap or poetry workshop leader. But as an educator, now I've gone into more of the role of like managing the project. But I'm always on the ground doing the work. Like it's my favorite part of what I do. We're going to talk a little bit about routine. What does a great day look like for you? That's a really interesting question and not a great one for me in the sense that I don't have a routine at all. And I think the reason that I'm able to do my work so well with Breaking Convention is because even at the beginning, I was really honest about this. And I said that I need to be able to work flexibly. If I know my task and my objective, I'll do it. I go to bed at like 4.30am. Actually, literally last night, And the night before, between 2 and 4 a.m., I was doing an Islington giving funding form. So I'm literally like, I just work around the times I can work. So let's take yesterday, for example. I'll wake up and speak to Mish really briefly about what I'm doing for the day. So I spent the night before, like I said, till 4 a.m., I was doing a funding form. And then I had a meeting for a brand, kind of like an urban clothing store, but they have an exhibition and studio space in Bethnal Green. So I was on my way there to book something for an all-female event I was doing. But when I arrived there, I was like, I also work at Breaking Convention and we do youth projects. So then after our meeting, we ended up talking about the youth project and if they could give us some space in kind and access to their studio. So we ended up having a whole chat about that. I saw the space and then I was able to like video it, send it to our Breaking Convention WhatsApp group. And I was like, oh, they've given us the space and they loved what we do. So they've like now given us budget and space to use that. It's very like that, you know, and there is no routine. Youth work and music is my life. So it's just happening 24 hours whenever is possible for something to happen. So I might not be working on Monday, but if something comes up that's relevant for Breaking Convention and the young people, I'll just do it because it's just 
in it's just in my fibers of what I do you know you mentioned earlier about working with an all-female collective. I know that you do a lot of work with women or you're very passionate about promoting women in this space. Yeah. Can you tell me a bit more? I feel really strongly, and I have from very young, that there's such an imbalance of the presence of women in hip-hop. And that's in hip-hop theatre, in dance, and especially in rap, even in DJing and music production actually all of the elements of hip-hop everywhere yeah and and, you know generally I think we we know that and we can see that in entertainment I don't want to blast any names on your podcast but um there's a very well-known London music festival that announced their lineup yesterday and they literally got backlash for the exact same thing two years ago that Lily Allen tweeted about. And they literally repeated it again yesterday. There's 44 men on the lineup and there's five women. And someone has removed all the male names from the flyer, leaving just the women who are booked performing. And it just is so ridiculous because they have already been addressed about this. A lot of the work I do... I run youth projects for women in hip hop. So there's a specific workshop that I run, uh, which explores and analyzes women on covers of magazines, women and how they're presented in music videos, how there is such a massive part of um, festival stages and concerts that don't book women, and even how they're advertised on like retail and shopping websites, like what they wear. There might be a male wearing exactly the same garment, but women are often so sexualized in how they're sold something. And misogyny in hip hop has got so much better, but it still exists. In everything I do, I just try to highlight this and actually do something about it. So I will always try and book more women to interview or The reason I did the all-female hip-hop tour was to show that in every single city, big city in the UK, there's all these incredible performers in your your town. So come out and see them and support them and witness them on stage. And I'm just kind of fed up as women being used as props in like men's entertainment. The active work you can do or you have been doing, that's, that's really clear. What can others be doing or what are the things that you would, I don't know, request of the industry of society? And as you said, it has got better, but there's still a way to go. I think it's important with like theatre or the technical side of stuff or the production side of stuff. I think it's important that we run more projects and more having more internships and work experience where we're inviting women to come and see those roles Um, And to show them that it's something they can do rather than just be on the performance side. But yeah, having artist mentors that are girls and, and running more projects that are purely for women. So they feel like they're in a safe space. Although I have recently realized, and I want to try this, that I haven't, is the Women in Hip Hop project that I was talking about, where we analyze how women are presented, etc. I want to run that with boys and girls mixed, because actually it's almost like preaching to the choir or like having a bit of an echo chamber. Girls are aware of it already and we're talking about it, which is great because they have a space to vent. But actually I want to run the exact project, but with boys. So they actually get to see how women are treated and presented. And I think that's going to be more effective. And it's something that I've only just recently thought about. You said something earlier about young people come to these things because they chose to. 
Yeah. And they probably chose to do that because they knew it was going to be in a space that they were going to be respected and also because it's fun. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> is there a sort of story about, I don't know, the fun and the friendship of the world of hip hop theatre? There's so many fun, funny moments and fun moments and stuff that we have. One of the times that was really funny is when we took them to BBC Radio London for an on-air interview. I mean, they're really funny. They're just characters and they're really Larry and they're just like singing and rapping and like showing off and on Snapchat that they're at the BBC building and they were like super loud. And then they got to like the door of the studio and then presenters came out and were like hello and they literally went quiet and they were like hello like like suddenly like changed their voice I was looking at them going why are you talking like that just <laughs> talk like yourself like what are you doing and then they went in they sat down quietly like and just it like for me and the other mentor it was so funny because they literally changed they weren't intimidated but they just became really professional when the um presenter was interviewing them they just they articulated themselves so beautifully and so well and then she set them a really hard challenge she was like we're going to give you 10 minutes we're going to play a beat and we want you to write a rap and perform live and it was live on air and I was like god I wouldn't I don't think I'd want to do this like as an actual artist and they wrote, they all performed, they like backed each other up. Like it was amazing. And I, that's a really good memory for me. And then when we came out, we were like, just like bullying them a bit. And we were just like, <laughs> no. yeah, we were like, what were you doing? Why did you change? Why were you talking like that? What? But it was really amazing. And, and just see, just seeing them in different environments is like really special to me. So it's something that I just want to like do more of. Yeah. I love that what? story. <laughs> what a legend. I know. She's a legend. She's great. I love how it started with her talking about Persian poet Rumi to rap. Like, mm. that's how it happens, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. For so many people, it's brilliant how your influences can be so varied and they can bring you to so many different places. Was there anything that really stood out for you? I think one of the big things that really popped out for me was this notion of starting from what the young people need and working your way back. Mm. Going, what is it you need? That's almost any job, any problem solving. Going, what is it that, that, that exists, that is needed? And how can I help fill that need? Mm. Right. And so she goes, what is it that you want? You want to be a graffiti artist? You want to, you want to write rap? You want to record music? How can I share with you what I know about that? How can I create opportunities for you? How can I design a program mm. that might help you navigate that? And I love that as opposed to so often you think there's a curriculum. I'm going to deliver that. And that's what education looks like. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't feel forced because those kids are there because they have chosen to be there. And there is that mutual respect from the moment they get into the room. So by definition, as those kids are in a good headspace, they are feeling respected. They're feeling creative. And therefore, you know, they're going to learn way more than they would do otherwise if they had felt as though it had been kind of done unto them. What I really found useful advice is that Shay's approached this in two ways that are very normal for people who are getting into education careers, right? There's the traditional, like, I see a job posting, I interview. Now, she might have had to rap in her interview, <laughs> not not everybody has to do that. But she interviewed for her job at Breaking Convention, got that job. And then there's other jobs where she's like, I was creating these programs and that led to other work. And very much, most people who I talk to who work in that space, it happens in both ways. Yeah. And 
to be able to navigate both ways is kind of is kind of the game. It's the hustle, isn't it? Completely. And I think that the reality is is that well, you've got to flex in both directions and you but you might not be starting from a place with a network. So as soon as you have got your foot in the door somewhere, you then need to look after that network mm. and keep coming back to them and see that as like your starting place. She said at, at some point she was clear from the get-go as soon as she was offered the job at Sadler's Wells that she would need to work flexibly. Obviously, in the last year, a lot of people have done that anyway. We've also had to work from our bedrooms, that kind of thing. But I think that's a really good example of how you could you can work in an education department of an organization. And that does not need to mean that three days a week you are clocking in nine to five. It's just really important to kind of verbalize that if you're working within a, you know, an established medium sized MPO funded arts organization like Sadler's Wells, it doesn't mean that you are just in a kind of clocking in, clocking out kind of job. So big thanks to Shady for coming on to our podcast this week to talk about education. You can check her out on Instagram and you can listen to her music. Arts Work is brought to you by Sadler's Wells in association with Barclays Dance Pass. Your hosts are Ankur Bahel and Phoebe Reith. The producer is Hester Kant and the series is mixed by Paul Brogdon. We really hope you enjoyed this and we hope you found it useful. And if you did, please share it. Who did you think of? them whatsapp them right now send it (laughs) also if you could leave a review that would be super helpful to get the word out to increase the impact of what we're trying to do 